Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Mark My Word is a message series designed to bring a Christ-centered focus into your life through the power of one word. Our speaker today is Senior Minister Dee Bacon. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. How about that? Super Bowl Sunday. I'm sure you have plans, hopefully. First time I saw the Super Bowl was in 1985. In Zimbabwe, Africa, I watched a recording of the game. The recording was a VHS tape sent to the American missionary who was the minister at our church. Uh, For those of you that that are younger, don't know what VHS tape is, Google it, you'll find out. (laughs) So we watched the VHS tape, and the game, Super Bowl 19, uh, was the game between the San Francisco 49ers with Slow Joe Montana versus the upcoming Miami Dolphins, uh, led by hotshot Dan Marino. Niners won, 38 to 16. Yeah, we've got a Niners fan right there. Yeah, enjoy it while it lasts. Um, (laughs) He did last for a while, didn't it? I love them. But, I mean, just like Scott, I I fell in in love with the Niners since then. I I know, this was before I met my wife, came into Cincinnati and all that. Um, But I fell in love with the Niners, who were the best things, particularly Joe Montana. So the next game I watched, was was really excited. It was the first time I watched the game live. Also involved the 49ers and another team from the Midwest, Super Bowl 23. And uh, we watched it in England. And being in England, we were five hours or so ahead. So we watched the game really late. And it was the game of the Niners versus we know who, and we know who lost 20 to 16. It was a brutal game. Uh, remember Tim Crumrise leg snapping? That was horrible. Ugh, brutal. Do you remember the run back from, is it Stanford Jennings? Ran back a touchdown, uh, the first play after the, after the half. Everyone is excited about Cincinnati coming back, and then Joe Montana did what he does, did Anyway, Joe Montana, right? Uh, 34 seconds left in the game. Montana to Taylor. Game over. And things have never been the same in Cincinnati, has it? (laughs) So we're watching Super Bowl 43. I have to confess to you that most of my Sundays these days during the NFL season, I would rather take a nap than watch a football game. That's just where I'm at. Uh, maybe it's because I'm old. Maybe it's because of that team with the stripes and orange and black. I don't know. But I'd rather take a nap. But I do get excited for the big game. And today's big game, Super Bowl 53, hard to believe, is between the New England Patriots again and the Los Angeles Rams. And a lot of people are like, why the Patriots again? And I'm like, listen. Listen, this is, uh, you earn it, right? I mean, if you want to get there, beat them. Uh, You've got to be amazed at the longevity and the sustained excellence. No matter what you think about Belichick and Brady, it's impressive. And Brady, at 41 years old, you know, a middle-aged guy who keeps winning, he's an inspiration to me. Uh, It's amazing. I was reading some articles about Brady and his dedication to his craft. One interview was quoting something that he said in a documentary they put together. Brady said this. He said, if you want to beat me, you better be willing to give up your life because I already have. That's illustrative of his passion. He's not satisfied with success but gives himself to his craft with everything he's got. A backup quarterback said, one of the things that I recognize about Brady is that if you're going to play quarterback, it better be a life commitment. 
It better be not something you do. It be something that you are. And it better involve every part of your life, every part of your life, how you eat, how you sleep, how you train, how you operate, being committed to this one thing, being the best quarterback you can be for the organization, the New England Patriots. He said one of the things that, that he came to recognize after X amount of years in, in, in the business and in the NFL, this backup quarterback said, the thing that, that gets to you after a while is Sundays are great. It's the in-between Sundays, the preparation, the grind of getting ready for games. That's, that's where it really starts to wear you out. He said Tom Brady eats the grind, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I think of Brady and I think of someone, here is someone who definitely has this sense that his life calling is to be a quarterback in the NFL. And he gives himself to it with everything he's got, with every bit of fiber in his body, he gives himself to be a quarterback in the NFL. It's impressive. Now on the other team is another impressive individual, uh, impressive individual perhaps for different reasons. And it's because of this individual that I have to say I'm leaning to be more of a Rams fan today than a Patriots fan. This individual's name is Andrew Whitworth. And we're familiar with Andrew, right? Cincinnati Bengals for 11 years. He's a monster of a man. Six foot seven, 330. He's a big man. He came and visited Mount Carmel one time a few years ago at our old building. We had to give him two chairs to sit. Seriously, two chairs. I mean... His back is like an aircraft carrier. <laughs> and the amazing thing is he's an incredible athlete. I mean, great feet, plays great game of tennis, apparently. Wonderful athlete and a wonderful person. Here's a man who has dedicated himself to excellence in the NFL, but also to a calling that goes beyond that. Andrew Whitworth is a believer. And Andrew Whitworth understands that his calling to the NFL provides him an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of his community. When he was being interviewed by the lady uh, at the part of the New York, uh, Los Angeles Rams organization, this lady was their community liaison person. She sits down with new players and discuss opportunities they might have to have community relations. There was a list of 60 charities that the LA Rams are partnering with in, in their community. Whitworth checked all 60 boxes, has given himself to it. When there was a shooting not too long ago, a, a shooting at a pretty close by local uh, western, uh, you know, country, I can't even say it, country and western, country and western joint, Whitworth donated his game check, one of his games, 60 grand, to help support the families and then took the lead in the locker room to help the rest of the players do something to support their families. His foundation, he and his wife's foundation in Louisiana have given over a million dollars in scholarship to high school seniors in their home, home, uh, home counties, home parishes of Louisiana. Not only that, their foundation gives scholarships, helps two families a year in their quest to adopt children. Here's a man who not only has called, been called to football excellence, he says, you know, postseason success, finally, now that he's not playing with the Bengals, postseason success is a personal accomplishment, but he sees his work in the community, his exercise of his faith as a lifetime accomplishment. And I see the testimony of Andrew Whitworth and his wife and what he's doing, and I see someone who's answering the call, the call to be 
a difference maker for God, a call to recognize that God has made him in the way he's made him that's perfect to be an offensive lineman in the NFL. But that has a greater calling in that now he has a forum and a resource, a platform and a resource to make a difference in the lives of others through giving. Here's a man that is beginning to see how responding to the call of God releases our full potential. And that's what I want for everyone here. See, the Christian faith begins with this message. You are valued. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you are valuable to God. How do I know? Because God sent his son to die on a cross for you, gave up his life for you, even though you didn't deserve it. He valued enough to send his son to make a way that you can be right with God if you believe. But not only do you have value, but because of God's spirit who now dwells in you, now that you are a child of God, you're called to be part of the family business, and therefore you have value to give. We find the release of our fullest potential when we say yes to the calling that God places in our life. And that's why we're going through this one word thing. You know, this one word thing is not only something that's good to go through when, when we begin the year, it's provided focus, it's provided uh, guidance and, and helping us dedicate our year to, to what God is calling us to do, but it's also a training in a process where you're learning to open up your heart to God. Remember step one? What's step one? Prepare your heart. Step one is look in and prepare your heart. And we talked about step one being like getting your heart in good condition, being good soil. Good soil what for? To receive the Word of God. That's step two. Look up. And looking up, you, you plug in, you come close to God, and you listen. You listen to His Word. And we re- talked about last week how God doesn't yell at us, He whispers. Why? Because God wants children He can hold close and not spectators out in the audience whom He has to shout to. He wants to hold us close because when He holds us close and He whispers to us His Word, it helps us grow in our faith and overcome fear. Step one, look in, prepare your heart. Step two, look up, plug in and listen. Pretty straightforward, pretty simple, pretty good roadmap. Step three. Well, step three is look out, live your word. Now that you have received the word that God has given you, and it might be through this process, your one word, but let's apply it now to a practice for living. It's receiving the word of God when you spend time on a daily basis looking into his word and opening up your heart and listening to what he has to say. When God gives you that word, that word is not meant to just sit there with you for you to smugly hold it and say, okay, I heard from God. Ah, that's great. Oh, wonderful. No, your word is meant to be lived out. Your word is meant to be responded to because that is your life calling. That is what God is calling you to do. And when you respond to the calling of God, it releases the full potential that God has placed in you, the gifts that God gives to you. We see this process laid out for us in an encounter that perhaps you're rather familiar with, an encounter between Jesus and two of his apostles, two of the men that will become part of the 12 who 
will follow Jesus for three years and become the individuals who will be empowered by the Spirit to establish the church. The two guys are Andrew and Peter. Peter was also known as Simon. His name's changed to Peter. But these two guys were fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. They were in a fishing business. Their partners, James and John, were the sons of Debedee, and they made their home base on a little fishing town called Capernaum. I've been there. It's, it's quite amazing to sit there to realize, hey, this is where those guys operated. And historically, you can say that the fishing business was a good business to be in. Fish processed and prepared from that part of the world was highly sought after in the Roman world. And the process was is that they would catch their fish and they wouldn't process it there in Capernaum. No, they would send it on to a little town not too far away called Magdala. And at Magdala, that process would then, that fish would be prepared. And uh, the guide that guided us through our tour of Israel said it was kind of like fish salsa. But it was highly loved by Romans. But anyway, they made their fish salsa. And then they would ship it on to Caesarea and from there on to Rome. And so it was a pretty good business. How do you know this, did you? Well, you get clues, right? You get clues. John, the sons of David, they had a, they had a house, had a place in, in Jerusalem. They had connections. So these guys were, were kind of like middle-class business owners who were dealing with what everyone else was dealing with, the oppression of the Romans. Not only that, they were Jews who were devout in their faith. They grew up in the synagogue. They may not have been highly educated Jews, uh, university-educated Jews, but they were devout Jews who were also like the rest of, of the devout Jews in that time, looking for the Messiah to come and free them from the oppression of the Romans. Peter and Andrew were looking for the Messiah to return, which brought them to John the Baptist. They were disciples, followers of John the Baptist first, and it's from that they were introduced to Jesus, who said, hey, here's the Lamb of God. Now, I'm telling you all this because when we read the event that I'm about to read, as we'll go through it, the story... In Matthew 4, I want you to understand that this was not a one-off event. It wasn't just Jesus haphazardly walking along. Hey, Andrew, Jay, Peter, let's go. It wasn't like that. No, they knew Jesus. And the process of responding to the call that God places on your life, the response to the word from Jesus is a process. It's a process. See, Andrew and Peter got to know Jesus. They got to witness Jesus do his work his ministry. In fact, Luke says that the occasion of their calling was, you know, before they, Jesus said, follow me, what had happened was Jesus said, can I borrow your boats, guys? I need to speak to the people here. They had been out all night fishing, catching no fish. They said, sure. So he did. After he finished teaching, he said, hey, you guys uh, need some fish? How about you just throw it over there on that side? The guys were like, right, if you say so. We've been fishing all day. Like, we don't know what we're doing, but since you are the teacher, go ahead. And they did it, and they caught a whole bunch of fish, and they were like, oh, my goodness. And then Jesus said, follow me, right? See, the process of receiving the call involves step by step hearing the word of Jesus in our life. And so let's pick it up. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 says this in verse 18. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, 
and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, what we have here described is something that happens to a person who begins to be interested in Jesus. If you start investigating Jesus, if you start uh, making queries about him, if you start coming to church amongst a community where Jesus is preached, eventually you're going to face a situation in which you're going to have to make a decision. That's just the way it happens when you interact with Jesus. You're going to come to a point where you're going to be forced to make a decision. And this is that point for Peter and Andrew. They had got to know Jesus. They had witnessed Jesus doing his miracle. We had witnessed, heard Jesus saying things about the kingdom. They had the, the, the blessing of John the Baptist that said, this is the Lamb of God, follow him. But they came to a point now that Jesus said, okay, let's make a decision, guys. Follow me. Follow me. And every one of us who choose to investigate Jesus are going to come to a similar point where we're going to have to make a decision. Are we going to follow him or are we not? Are we going to decide he is who he claims to be or not? And if we try to go this middle road where this, we say, well, he was a good teacher and I really appreciate what he said, but I don't know about this, this son of God and resurrection and eternal life thing. I don't know about him being Lord and, and being the one whom which I should follow in everything. I'm not sure about this teaching and that. It's not going to work. There's no in-between. You're either in or you're not. No in-between. Follow me. And so Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, follow me. And in following, look what they had to do. Well, first of all, they had to be willing to give up their comfort zone. They had to be willing to recognize that following Jesus required them to have a life change required them to move beyond what they were used to into something new. They had to step out of their comfort zone. And if you're going to follow Jesus and if you're going to respond to the word that God gives to you, you better be ready to step out of your comfort zone. You better be ready not to hold back. You better be ready to be challenged in your faith as you respond in affirmation to the calling that God places in your life. Peter and Andrew dropped their nets, which meant... They drop their focus on the business in Galilee and they gave their focus to Jesus, which brings us to the next step. In order to follow Jesus, you have to keep him front and center. Whatever word God gives to you, you have to recognize that you have to keep it front and center. It's called following for a reason. Too many times we try to negotiate with Jesus and say, well, I like you in my life and I like what you provide, so how about you partner with me in this sense and we'll, we'll go on this and, you know, when you have something good to say and something positive for me, uh, go ahead, I'll take it. But by and large, I'm going to keep driving the car. I'm going to be, keep being the captain of the ship. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it and you can be my assistant. That's how many times we think of our faith. But that's not how it works. He says, follow me, which means what? You're going to have to keep Jesus front and center. And you're going to have to make sure that his word is what you submit yourself to. I heard one preacher say the definition of submission is this. I become sub to his mission. That's helpful. My values, my dreams, 
my interactions, the way I care for my body, the, the way I spend money, the way I operate in life, all must become sub to his mission because keep him, keep Jesus, his word, front and center. And the third thing, and this is a little bit of a nuanced thing, play on words here, is we have to understand that following Jesus is not a matter of to-do. It's not the reception of a code, a list of, of to-dos that you have to check off and say, if I check these off, if I do all these things, then I'm good. No, it's not a matter of to-do, it's a matter of to-be. What do you mean, Didi? Well, look at what Jesus did with Andrew and Peter. They were fishermen, were they not? They were fishermen, and Jesus met them at that place. He didn't say, follow me, and I will make you accountants of men. Follow me, and I will make you, uh, you know, farmers of men. No, he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You are fishermen now, and you have been trained in the, in the trade of fishing, and the gifting and your, your experience and life calling all have to be about fishing Therefore, I'm going to take that and I'm going to use that for the mission. I'm going to redirect the mission of your life. Now, I should have mentioned this earlier, but I'm going to mention it now. The trouble is with us is that we think that our life calling originates within us. This mumbo-jumbo teaching that says, look within and you will discover your life purpose. Examine your belly button and you will discover what everything you need to discover. Your potential is within you. If you discover it, that's not how it works. The science, the research shows from institutions like Stanford and Yale that you don't discover your life purpose by looking in. No, life purpose is a matter of responding from a call from without. And if we are Jesus followers, that calling comes from God. And when we fulfill and are obedient and say, yes, stepping out of our comfort zone, keeping the word front and center, understanding that it's a matter of who we're called to be, not what we're called to do. Then God's calling becomes real, and the word is lived out, and our fullest potential is released. Not only that, the potential that we never knew we had because it's a spiritual gift, it's something from God, is released in our calling. I think there's a struggle many folks feel that when they become a Jesus follower that somehow they have to change their personality. And, and what I mean is I'm not talking about habits that are sinful. I'm not talking about attitudes that are inappropriate. No, I'm talking about your actual personality, who you are. I'm an energetic, competitive person. And God takes that energetic, competitive person and he wants that to be used for his purposes. Not for my purposes, but for his purposes. And so just because I'm a Jesus follower doesn't mean that I say, it's okay that you win if I'm competing with you because it's not okay to me. <laughs> right? But I can win and operate in honoring that calling that God has given to me. We started talking about football and football players. We're going to end with football and football players. Tim Shaw is a young man who was the captain of special teams for the Tennessee Titans NFL team. At age 29, he was told that he has ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. 
We have a video testimony of Tim talking about his life. And the way it's framed is this. Tim is answering the question as to what he would say now at 34, what he would say now to his 21-year-old self. What would he say? And it's a testimony of a person, a man, who's living out God's Word, definitely stepping out of his comfort zone, definitely keeping what God has called him front and center, and definitely understanding that it's not about it to do's, it's about it to be. And out of his to be is what he does. And so we're going to conclude with the testimony of Tim Shaw. Please enjoy. to tell you something I think you, a senior linebacker at Penn State, should know. But it's going to be tough. I'm only 34 years old, but it's difficult for me to speak. It's also a blessing because it makes every word I say more purposeful. But I want to start with some good news. You're going to the NFL. Your three season intensity will be incredible. Life will be pretty good. In 2013, at 29 years old, You'll start to notice something happening to your body. It'll start with weird muscle twitches. Your performance on the field will have slipped so much that time will cut you. Less than a month after you've officially retired, you head to the doctor. And to this moment, I can still hear the doctor's words echoing through my mind. Tim, I believe you have ALS. You'll be in a daze. You'll just sit there, staring at the doctor, figuring your head out of speechless. Once you get outside, then the ballet will pull up the car. You'll climb into the driver's seat and close the door. And finally, you'll let it all out. The time mom and dad will be one of the hardest things you'll ever have to do. When you finally get the words out, you won't hear anything on the other end of the phone, just silent, shot. For the first few months, you're just kind of carrying on. But then your body will remind you that this is all very real. You'll start dropping things. You'll start falling a lot. 
I live in Nashville with mom and dad. I have to rely on them for just about everything. Every single day is a thrill for me. And you know what? I'm thankful. I'm coming up on five years since diagnosis, and all things considered, I'm doing great. This disease is a process. You can drown yourself in grief, but every second spent grieving these losses will be time stolen from what you still do have. Take a look at your life, Tim. Really step back and ask yourself what's important. Is it football or is it the relationship and people in your life who love you and care about you? Find what's most important in your life and live for that. Don't let three letters and FL define you the same way I refuse the last three letters to find me. Don't wait for a disease or diagnosis or disaster to start living the way that God intended. So live your best life today and enjoy every little blessing. God bless. Sam. So we are asking you to consider a word. And perhaps that word would provide a venue, an opportunity for you as you've prepared your heart and as you look to God and as you now strive to live it out, provide you an opportunity to take Tim's challenge to live every day, every day, fulfilling the purpose, the calling that God has placed in your life placed you where you are for a reason, gave you what you have for a purpose, for a reason. Say yes to the calling. I'm going to stand. I'm going to ask our prayer team members to come down, and they're going to be available to pray with you in person if you would like. If you have to share with them perhaps a decision regarding your spiritual your, your journey, if you want to say yes, making a decision to be baptized, you can share that with them too. I'm going to pray and we'll be dismissed. I'm going to encourage you in a way that you might take on as an encouragement to others that you would look to the back of the foyer there. There's a board and there's some stickers on a wall. What we're doing is giving you a way to write your word, if you've been given a word, write your word on that sticker and put it up on the board. Why? As a means of encouraging everyone else, as a means of inspiring everyone else, as a means of keeping it front and center. Take an opportunity, if you would. Let's pray. Thanks so much, Lord, for your love, for the testimony of your word. I pray that we might receive the, the word that you call us to a purpose You make us your children and you invite us into the family business. I ask that you would help us to be aware of that, to keep you front and center, 
recognizing following you will, will pull us out of our comfort zones, but in that we might have life. Help us to live in our new identity as children of God, saved through faith in Jesus, living by the Spirit. Help us to live that out in a way that honors you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.